Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. You are listening to the Qalam podcast Hurdle series, a study of Imam Ghazali's Minhajul Abidin by Sheikh Mikail Ahmed Smith. Jazakallah khair for your continued support, and we pray that this is beneficial. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Wassalatu wassalam ala Sayyidina wa Nabiyyina wa Mawlana Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. Allahumma inna nas'aluka hubbak wa hubba man yuhibbuk wa hubba amalin yuqarribuna ila hubbik ya arhamar rahimin. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give us his love. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give us the love of those actions that will gain his love. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give us the love of the people that he loves. Um, we ask Allah to make this gathering a gathering by which we increase our understanding on how to be uh, beautiful servants of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, Imam Ghazali rahimahullah ta'ala has been structuring this book a- as a methodology for staying on the path of ibadah, the path of worship. And um, he started off this book by telling us that the first thing you need is knowledge. You need to know that there's an akhirah. A hereafter. You need to know that there's a day of judgment. You need to know these realities because until you have knowledge of that, you're living in darkness and you don't even know what to start moving for, what to start living for. Um, and, um, you know, I, was, I, I got an email today from uh, someone who has been attending this gathering um, who said that, you know, the lessons of Imam Ghazali that we've been studying have encouraged her that she wants to take her shahada now. You know what I mean? And so, like... I was realizing that, that, you know, by us being in these gatherings, our hearts are strengthened, our hearts are guided. Um, and no matter where you are on that journey, I mean, you've been Muslim for like 20 years and you're listening to Imam Ghazali and you're like, this helps me so much. And someone who's just about to start the journey is like, I hear that too. It resonates with me as well. And so Imam Ghazali told us that the first thing that we needed was knowledge. Because if you don't know what's out there, you don't know what to get up and strive for. You don't know what to move forward for. And then Imam Ghazali, he said, and then after you gain knowledge, the next thing that's holding you back are your sins, your disobedience of Allah, your, your ma'asi, ma'asiya, sins. And so he says the only way to, to get over that hurdle is by tawbah, which is repentance. And we said that repentance is a constant state. Repentance isn't a once-in-a-five-year thing, once-in-a-year thing, once-in-a-month thing. Repentance is a state of mind where I'm always trying to set myself right with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from moment to moment to moment to moment to moment. And then Imam Ghazali listed a number of things that are going to get in the way. These are things that are going to stop us on the path. And he mentioned them so that we could get around them, so that we could avoid these things. And last week we, we, we finished one of the third hurdles or the fourth hurdle where he said we have to get over our worry of livelihood. We have to get over our worry of uh, decisions that we make in life. We have to get over our worry for calamities. And we have to get over our worry for our destiny. Whatever's written is written. Now he moves on to something critical. And this is clutch. He's now switching it and saying, I'm not going to tell you stuff that's going to get in your way and hold you back. I'm not going to tell you that. Right now, I want to focus on what's going to motivate you to move you down this path. What's going to keep you moving and actually accelerate you down this path of ibadah. And he calls this, he calls this the, the hurdle of motivators, things that will push you and keep you going. And before we start what he says, this is a critical lesson because I think people spend their entire life not understanding these two aspects that we're going to talk about today, these two aspects of their spirituality, and they go from year to year, like starting and stopping, starting and stopping, starting and stopping, and it's only because they haven't understood this key lesson that we're going to talk about, the idnillah right now, inshallah. So Imam Ghazali, he says, Bismillah. Thumma alayka ya akhi. He says, Thumma alayka, oh my brother. He says, thereafter I tell you, oh my brother, to... Start moving down this path. You've got around the hurdles. You've got around the obstacles. Now you've got to move. He goes, When this path is straight, keep moving forward. And the path will be smooth for you. 
Now you've got past the hindrances. You've got past the things that block you. But he says, you will never be able to stay on this path. You will never be able to stay on this path except if you have two realities within you at the same time. Listen close. He says you need something called khawf, fear of God. And we're going to talk about this in detail today. You need something called khawf. And you need raja, hope. Two things. Two things. Hope and fear. Fear and hope. This is how the believer keeps moving forward. What he's trying to tell us here is that if you don't have both of these and you don't become spiritually mature enough to put yourself where you need to be, what do I mean by where you need to be? The scholars, they say when you're younger and your desires are, are, are like up there more, they say you need more fear. But when you get old, you know what I mean, metabolism start dropping. <laughs> you know, that T count start dropping. <laughs> Y'all don't even know. Youngin's like, what you talking about? It's all good. They don't even know, Haytham. It's all good. When you're young, Jazakallah khair. When you're young, um, they say you need more fear. You need more, you need more fear of God. Because that desire is so strong, that hope won't set you straight. You need that fear, and we're going to talk about that more. But they say as you age and you spend more time on this path of ibadah, if you have too much fear, you're going to burn out. So now it's time for hope. you got to trust Allah. you got to hope that your actions are accepted. you got to hope, and you need more of that. So he says you need two things, hope and fear. Let's go into the first one. Fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He says, Al-Khawf, you need fear for two reasons. You need fear to prevent you, hold you back from disobeying God, number one. But you also need fear to humble you when you obey Allah. See, this is crazy. Proud piety is no better than proud sin. Proud piety you, you prayed your tahajit last night, you went for your umrah, you went for your hajj, and you walking through the masjid like, got tajweed too? Oh, it's over. <laughs> if you got tajweed, now you, oh, that's it. <laughs> right? Alaykum <laughs> salam Proud piety is not what God wants from you. Proud piety will cripple you. It will stop all your spiritual progress. And so when shaitan realizes that, oh, sister is on the path of piety. Shaitan goes, okay, we got the next trick, though. We're going to make her become righteous and see how good she's doing in comparison to everyone else. So now she has the chip on her shoulder. And guess what? Shaitan's like, that's exactly how I fell. Shaitan was the greatest worshiper. The devil was the greatest worshiper of God. But it didn't create humility. The objective is humility, and that's why Ibn Atal Askandari, he says, sometimes, you heard this before, sometimes a sin which brings humility is better than a good deed that brings you proudness, vanity. So he says two things. Number one, you need something that's going to stop you from sin, stop it in its tracks. The way Allah created this dunya, this world, every Muslim in this room knows that the dunya is made to be appealing to us. This world is made to look beautiful. And the nafs, the lower self inside, the nafs wants all that the dunya has to offer. But the believer is special. The believers in this room, we're special in the sense that we're constantly trying to overcome the nafs and push the lower self back and say, you can't have what you want. You can't have what you want. Look what he says. He says, nafs, This nafs, nafs just means that inner self that just always wants cookies at 11 o'clock at night. You know what I mean? That lower nafs. Amara bisu. It's always pushing you to evil. It's always pushing you to evil. It's inclined towards, towards evil. It loves fitna. The nafs hears some gossip in the corner. It'd be like, really? It, it, it loves fitna. 
وَلَا تَنْتَهِي Listen closely. And the nafs, la tentahi, it won't refrain from disobedience of God unless it has that constant takhweef, that constant fear being brought back to it. And he says, uh, and he says uh, um, you have to focus on your nafs, you have to keep reminding yourself in your nafs. And he says that you have to keep on instilling that fear within you. Now, before we go deeper, I want us to understand something here. Uh, the, the session, the, the series that we did, I think right before this, was the journey series. And the journey series was all about the journey of the soul in the akhirah. And, and what I want you to understand is we have to remind ourselves or put ourselves where we need to be spiritually by by, by taking in the lessons that will benefit us. What I mean by that is, if, you need, if, you're, if you're in the state right now where you're addicted to sin and you can't get out, right now is not the time to hear the lecture on, don't worry, we're all good. <laughs> right now is the time where you need to hear that lecture about the hooks that come out of hellfire pulling people down on the sirat. That's what you need at this moment. And the spiritual maturity, the mature part of the believer is that you analyze yourself and you, you, you take in and consume the type of lecture or lessons that are going to put you spiritually where you need to be, where you need to be. So he says, the second thing that you need, and I'm going to come back to this in a minute because this is something we need to spend some time on. He says, thani, the second reason you have to have a fear of God. And I'm going to talk about what that means, but let's just keep going. He says, why? He says, so that you don't become vain over the righteous and good things that you do and therefore destroy yourself. Therefore destroy yourself. The most beautiful person you can meet is a righteous, humble person. And the most obnoxious person you can spend time with is a proud, righteous person. They push, push people away from the deen. If that's what righteousness does, I don't want anything to do with it. He says, he says, you have to uproot vanity. You have to root vanity. And this is what we learn. See, vanity is a part of the human nature. But the, the believer overcomes that. But here's the deal. Shaitan will even bring it up in other, other areas. And he brings it up in worship. So he says that uh, you have to uproot this by recognizing the deficiencies in what you do, recognizing that you don't know whether your actions are accepted. I mean, we were just studying, with Ustad, he was just studying Ibrahim, the life of Abraham. And when Ibrahim and Ismail, his son, are building the Kaaba, the dua that they're making is, Rabbana taqabbal minna. It's, oh Allah, accept from me. So the believer's mentality is not, I do a good deed, and I'm like, yeah, y'all, y'all, look what I just did for you. The believer's mentality is that we do a righteous deed, and immediately we humble and go, please, y'all, accept that from me. Please, y'all, accept that from me. If you don't accept it from me, then I'm lost, y'all. And that's, the, that's where the humility comes. There's a, there's a verse I want to share with you. And Aisha, radiallahu anha, our mother, she explained it so deeply. Surah Mu'minun. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, بَعْدَ بِاللَّهِ مِنَ الشَّيْطَانِ الرَّجِيمِ بِسْمِ اللَّهِ الرَّحْمَنِ الرَّحِيمِ إِنَّ الَّذِينَ هُمْ مِنْ خَشْيَةِ رَبِّهِمْ مُشْفِقُونَ Allah is describing the believers. These are like the qualities that we want to have. First Allah says, Indeed those who, due to their awe of God, they're in fear. And the ones who believe in the signs of God, they see a sign of Allah, we believe in it. And these are people who don't commit shirk. No gods before God. Whether it be people, things, money, no god other than God. Whatever you obey, you become a servant to. So only one obedience, Allah. And then, وَالَّذِينَ يُؤْتُونَ مَا آتَوْا وَقُلُوبُهُمْ وَجِلَ أَنَّهُمْ إِلَىٰ رَبِّهِمْ رَاجِعُونَ And those who spend out of what they were given. It's not about how much you give. Like when Abu Bakr gave, the Prophet didn't say how much. 
He said, what did you leave back? He said, I didn't leave anything back. He said, ah, that's it right there. So they spend out of what they have. But here's where the, the Quran really takes us deep. The Quran says, wajila." They have all these qualities, but their heart is shook. Quite literally shook. That's the translation. wajila." <laughs> the heart is shook. Heart is shook. See, here's the deal. Whenever you get comfortable, you become complacent. And you stop striving. You stop grinding. You stop trying to become a better believer. And the believer is always on the grind. But not for the dunya. What's the dunya? What's the dunya? What's this world? It's nothing. It comes. It goes. So the believer is on the grind. It, it, yo, it hit me when I was like 18. Right when you're at that crossroads, right? You graduate. A lot of y'all graduate. And I see y'all walking the stages and stuff. Like, yo, you, you cross this, these crossroads and you get this moment of clarity when you're like, yo, what am I? What am I living for? Until they just say, oh, just do a master's real quick. <laughs> you finish a master's, like, do a double master's, yo. <laughs> just keep on, just keep on. In between these places, you get a moment of clarity, a moment to think. And I was 18, I was 19, and they were like, okay, well, next sign up. Did it. And I'm like, but what are we living for? Everybody's like, yo, you weird. <laughs> I'm like, nah, there's got to be something deeper. Because I don't want the... House with picket fence and a dog and, hi, Bob. You know, I don't want it. That's my neighbor's name, by the way. So <laughs> low key, kind of 360 came right back to it. But anyways, the point I'm saying is like, there's this desire for more and the believer grinds. Don't get me wrong. But when you see the believer grinding, sadaqah, charity, starting nonprofits, doing whatever you can to help humanity, that's the grind I'm talking about. It's not just about sitting on the prayer rug all day. The grind is about bringing goodness to humanity. So we grind, but I was like 18. I'm like, what is this all about? It has to be something deeper. So I, I, I impress upon everyone, especially as these breaks come. It's like winter break. Take the time to be by yourself. Take the time to, 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 to reflect within yourself what you're living for, what your life is about, where you're going. Don't just go from one hoop to the next. The rat's the rat race. Pause. Stop. Think. Reflect. And redirect if you need to. But if you just keep going, you're going to wake up 40 years old trying to bungee jump because you don't know what the purpose of life is. Midlife crisis. So, so, so the verse says the, the people, their hearts are shook. Why? Because they're conscious that they're going back to Allah. They're, they're, so it says, Their hearts are shook because they did all these good deeds, but they're like, I got to go back to Allah. Then Allah says, hold up. Allah says, those are the people who are racing. Remember, we're talking about this, this journey. We're on a path here, racing one another towards Jannah. These are the people racing each other in good deeds. And they're the ones who are at the front. Who? The ones who are worried are the ones who stay in the front. I have a, I have a colleague. My man gets to the airport like three hours early. Every time. I'm like, bruh, it's called TSA Pre. <laughs> He'd be like, nah, man, I don't want to miss a flight. And low-key, I was thinking, I was like, he ain't never going to miss a flight. <laughs> but me here? Oh, 20 minutes. Check the app. Line is 10 minutes long. Flight missed. The point I'm trying to make here is that that fear is what keeps you, keeps you safe. That fear is what keeps you moving forward and going. So listen to this, though. This verse says they do all these good deeds and they're fearful. They're scared, right? So someone asked Aisha, and Aisha radiallahu anha qalat, Sa'altu Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam an hadhihi al-ayah. She says, the, the ayah starts, the verse starts by saying, these people fear God. So she says, Ya Rasulullah, ahumu al-ladheena yashribuna al-khamar wa yaznuna wa yasriqoon. She goes, are these the people, the ones who fear God, are these the people who are uh, drinking khamar, alcohol? Are these the people committing zina, fornicating? Because they're fearful, they must be. Are these the people stealing? The Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam 
La bint Sadiq. He called her Binta Sadiq. Na la binta Sadiq. He said, No, daughter of Abu Bakr. <laughs> Quite the contrary. These are the people who fast, who pray, who give charity. <laughs> but they're shook. Is it accepted or not? Is it accepted or not? And the idea here is like I said the word complacent. Stop. Be, stop striving so much in the dunya, but complacent in deen. Just switch that. Just switch that. Become complacent with your dunya, so to speak, but grind in the deen. And when I say deen, remember that, that doesn't just, like I said, on the prayer rug. It's about all you're doing for humanity too. So the point here, the point here is that the, the fear the fear that is embodied within the early generation was what motivated them to be on the grind so much. And so I want to share it. Whoever studies the life of the Sahaba, you will immediately notice that they gave the most effort, but they were the most worried whether it was accepted or not. Let me share a story with you. Amr bin As. He's a great companion of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. I mean, one of the leading Sahaba of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. The narration is in different books of Hadith. And it says that Amr bin As radiallahu an, that one day he, uh, he was on his deathbed. He was laying on his deathbed and his children, his sons are sitting around him. And uh, his son says that my dad, he turned his face towards the wall. And he, he just begins to weep and cry. And he says, like, I, I'm his son and I'm watching my father, like, as he's almost passing, but he's crying. So I begin to try to cheer him up. And I said, I said, Dad, why are you crying? Don't you know the, the prophet promised you this? The prophet promised you this? The prophet promised you this? Yo, we do less than they did but feel more secure than they did. You know, you feel him? We do less. We do less, but we're more like, oh, I'm good. I'm good, day of judgment, bro. La, the Sahaba, it was different. He's crying. So his son goes, yeah, father, why are you crying? He goes, uh, don't you remember the prophet promised you this, the, this and this and this? He turns over and he looks at his son and he says, son, my life went through three stages. He says, stage number one is there was no one on the face of the earth that I hated more than the Rasulullah, the prophet of God. And he said, if I had the chance, I would have killed him. He said, if I would have died in that state, I would have been of the people of hellfire. He said, the second stage is Allah placed Islam in my heart. Islam gave, Allah gave me Islam. Belief in Allah, belief in the Rasul. And he said, I followed the Prophet everywhere. I loved him so much. And I was so shy about my old life that I can barely remember lifting my eyes to look him eye and eye to eye. That's how much I loved him and that's how much I was shy about who I used to be. He says, and if I died at that time, I think I might have got Jannah. Look, he even says like, might have got Jannah. I might have got heaven. And then he said, a third stage came. The Prophet left us, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. I was in charge of different affairs. And I just don't know how I did. And then he turned his face back over. And he passed away. But before he passed away, he said one more thing. I forgot. He said, son, when I die, I want you to bury me, cover me with dirt. But he said, but don't leave my grave for a little bit. So I could get comfortable by hearing y'all around me, stay around me for a little bit so I could be comfortable by hearing your voices. And then after a few hours, then dip, because then I'll be comfortable. You know, if you take your little brother or your son to kindergarten and you drop them off and you got to stand there and kind of watch so they get comfortable, this great Sahabi became like a child again. 
because of his fear of the Akhirah. What I'm trying to tell you, you got to see the connection that, that the fear is what kept them moving forward. And so Imam Ghazali says, fear of God, consciousness of the day of judgment. There was another narration I wanted to share with you, which is beautiful. Um, how are we going let, let to, let's go forward inshallah ta'ala, because I want, I want to talk about how we're going to overcome and create this, this hope and this fear within our hearts. So Imam Ghazali, rahimahullah ta'ala, he continues. He says, uh, there are many examples of how the earlier generations had this, this, this fear of God that how, how am I going to fare on the day of judgment? And that motivated, motivated their righteous actions. But he said, let's take a moment and talk about hope, though. Let's take a moment and talk about hope. He says, you need to have hope, number one. Before we talk about why you need to have it, I want to tell you what Imam Ibn Qayyim al-Jawzi, rahimahullah ta'ala, said comprises of true hope in Islam. See, a lot of times we translate these words, raja and hope, but the true word, it doesn't translate well. So you have to understand the reality of the Arabic word. Raja has three qualities, three components of it. True hope, quote-unquote, in Islam has three qualities to it. Number one is a love for what you hope for. You love it. You love Jannah. You love Akhirah. Whoever loves to meet God, Allah loves to meet that person. Which gets you to the point here. See, when love is there, when love is there, you want to meet the one you love. And that's why they call it, the Prophet وسلم, he used to say, Oh Allah, give me shawq ila liqa'ik. Shawq means a deep longing to meet you. Give me that, Ya Allah. So the first thing that hope has in Islamic context is a love for what you hope for. Now why is that important? The only way the only way that we will be able to please Allah is if we cultivate loves that overpower every other love and fears that overpower every other fear. Feel me on this. The only way you get where you're supposed to go is by controlling and regulating your loves and your fears. When you fear what people will say more than you fear God's displeasure, you're going to do what people want you to do. When you fear the loss of your job more than you fear the loss of, of Allah's tawakkal, you'll do whatever it takes to keep that job. Ibn Qayyim al-Jawzi says, a human being will never give up something they love except for something more that they love. And a person will never stay away from something they fear except for something greater that they fear. So what this tells us, what this tells us is Ibn Qayyim al-Jawzi, he says, a lot of us right now are battling loves. You're addicted to uh, illicit videos. You're addicted to another person that you shouldn't be in love with. You're addicted to a certain show. I don't know. You're addicted to something. And, and the way you overcome that is your nafs loves a feeling from it. But in reality, that sin is destroying you. And once you start to understand how it's destroying you and you come to terms with it, and you remind yourself of it over and over and over and over and over again, you create a negative correlation. And whenever that thing comes in your mind, you'll be like, gag reflex. I'm good. I'm good. I told y'all, my psychology teacher one time, remember this? He's like, you fall in love with somebody. This was Jahiliya days, whatever. <laughs> psychology teacher, way back, he's like, you fall in love with someone, but you want to take it out of your heart. What do you do? What do you do? He said, uh, he said, try this. He said, take a picture of the person and on the back, write everything negative. Breath stank, <laughs> attitude, <laughs> mom's a headache. I don't know, right? <laughs> Whatever you can think of, whole list of negative stuff. And whenever Shorty comes in the head, look at the back of the picture. <laughs> whenever. Look at the back of the picture. Now, for the believer, for me and you, it's not just about dunya. The back of the picture is going to say anger of Allah, disgrace on the day of judgment. The back of the picture is not going to say the trivial stuff of the world. The back of the picture is going to say standing, getting the book in my left hand on the day of judgment. 
And now every time you look at that picture, you look on the back and go, nah, I'm good. That reality has to set in. Or something you love. See, some of y'all, not stick heads, y'all carrot, right? You don't want the stick, you want the carrot. You want, you want to know what my nuffs is getting. And so that's why Ibn Qayyim al-Jawzi, he goes, the other way is that you look at what Allah is giving you to give up that sin. The greatest thing, I read something beautiful today. The greatest thing in this world you can gain is the love of God. It's the greatest, most satiating, most nurturing thing that your heart can ever obtain is a relationship with Allah. And here's the deal. Whatever benefits you, whatever benefits you, and you need it, you feel pain by being separated from it. It hurts. Whatever you need and benefits you, when you separate from it, the more you separate, the more it hurts. The Quran tells us, The only thing that will bring peace to the heart is that connection with God. But listen to what Ibn Qayyim al-Jawzi says. He says, your heart gets hurt by separation from God, but you know why you don't feel it? Because you have drowned yourself in everything other than God to, to dilute out the pain. That's all you did. And the moment those things are cut off, NFL season's over. <laughs> I say sports because that's how America drowns out everything. I told, I told some people, I was like, I knew COVID was for real when the NBA canceled. Because America don't cancel sports for nothing. That's the biggest religious event there is. Hold the idol up, kiss it. Crazy, right? Crazy. Hold the idol up, pass it around too. Anyways. <laughs> the point I'm trying to say is that your heart needs that relationship with God. And it wants that. In the moment you re remove all of the distractions, Ibn Qayyim al-Jawzi, he says, he's like, your example is like a drunk person who's just burned their house down and killed their family, but they're on the curb laughing. And they don't realize what they did until they come out of intoxication. Your heart is in pain right now because you've been disconnected from God, but you don't feel it because you've drowned it out with work, school, and everything else. But you need it. And the moment a break comes like now and there's no school, you sit there like, I don't even know what to do. I don't even know what to do right now. What do I do? I don't have homework. I, what do I do? My goodness. That's why I said use these moments to get, get, get out of the distractions and connect your heart. Allow yourself to feel. Here's things, two things you want to feel. I want you to feel the, the pleasure of a moment of connection with God. And I want you to feel the pain of disconnection from God. And from that point, you won't want anything better than that. When something brings you goodness, I don't got to convince you to want to do it. All I got to say is try it one time. If you start to spend moments alone with Allah, if you start to wake up for tahajjud, quietly, don't post nothing, just do it, and sit there on your prayer rug and raise your hands, khususan, especially after seeing everything in Philistine, if you take the moment to be alone with God and you do that for a week straight, the joy you will feel, the pleasure, the contentment with you, that you will feel, you won't ever want to lose it. And the next time something haram comes by your screen or face, you won't want to look at it because what it means of losing a relationship with the most beloved. Taste the joy and it will become the greatest love you have. Better than money and everything else. The other thing you could do is just live life long enough to realize this dunya ain't nothing. For the, for the older heads in the room, they know what I'm saying. Yeah, it's cool. It's all right. <laughs> it's okay. It's nice, alhamdulillah. But what Allah has is khair wa abaqa. And that's why the Sahaba, they used to talk a lot about akhirah. And this brings me to my next thing. How do we create more love? More hope. Because we said, that, we said that hope had three components. I only got through one of them. One was love. 
How do we create more, more love? Men ahabba shay, men ahabba shay akhtara min dhikrihi. Talk about it more. Talk about it more. Talk about it more. Before a dude gets married, he's your best friend, all he do is talk about her. Like, dude, man, I ain't trying to hear that no more. I ain't trying to hear it no more, man. That, it, it, that's, that's the nature. When you love something, you talk about it more. That's, that's the nature. So the, the, the way that we created, the Sahaba created love is they actually talked about Akhirah. That's why the Journey series was so powerful because every week on Wednesday we were getting together and we're like picking off where we left off. You're on the bridge crossing over Jahannam. You're like, oh my God. And when you don't have that, at least here's something powerful. Just take yourself through your death. Take yourself through your Akhirah. Take yourself through the day of judgment. You, no one's around. You, your name is called. You're brought forth. The whole world is looking at you in this moment. The angels bring forth your good deeds. One by one, they play on the screen as everyone watches everything you did in every moment. Play that whole scene out. And play the scene out where Allah says, this part is censored, no one sees this but me. Play that part where Allah says, no one sees those bad deeds because this person did tawbah. And the angel comes and says, announcement is made. Fulan, Fulan is successful. And they give you the book in the right hand. And you turn around and you go, this is the real graduation. <laughs> I made it. Play that. Do you see how real that feels right now? Once that becomes your reality and the dunya becomes less real for you, you begin to love it and want it. And when you love it and want it, you won't sacrifice it for a fleeting desire. So he says that the first thing you need is muhabba, love for what you want. And I'm telling you, you got to cultivate that love. There's a narration that's beautiful. One of the companions, his name was Hanbala. You heard the hadith. I know you heard it because I've said it a dozen times, but you've, it's a different take on it. Hamdala, he was a kutab and nabi. He was a, a scribe for the Prophet wasallam. And he says, uh, Kunna inda Rasulullah. We were with the Prophet jannah. We used to just talk about Jannah. And we used to talk about hellfire. We used to talk, and, and, and this is why you, you have to read the Quran. Right now in Surah, uh, uh, in, in, in year two, Jalal uh, Tafsir class at Qalam, we're studying Surah Safat. And it's just all Akhirah. So vividly depicted. Read the Surah later. Surah Safat, the Surah of Rose. So he says, we were sitting with the Prophet and he says, listen closely. We talked about Jannah so much and Nar so much, it was as if we could see it. We were there. It wasn't conceptual. It wasn't theoretical Jannah. La. The Prophet would talk to us so much about it that it was as if we could see it. I got a question. Do you have a, a friend who just will talk about Akhirah with you? I got tons that will talk about dunya. How to flip this, how to flip that, <laughs> how to sell that, this and that. But do you have a friend that will just talk to you about the Akhirah? Try to find one. One. It was as if we could see it. He can't sit in the gathering forever. So Hamdallah goes, I got up to go home. Got up to go home. I was playing with my kid. Awesome, Madia. Just playing with kids. Look at the balance of the Sahaba's life, though. He says, I was laughing and playing. This, this idea that righteousness is a grimace on the face. That righteousness means I'm, I walk in the home and I'm just like mean mugging everyone. La. <laughs> That's not the sunnah nor the way of the sahaba.
He says, I was in the most deep gathering as if we could see Jannah and Jahannam. Then when I went home, I was rolling on the, on the ground with my kids. That's piety right there. Your, 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 your feet are on the ground, but your heart is in the heavens. You feel me? Feet on the ground, heart in the heavens. So he says, I was playing with my children and all of a sudden it hit me. I can't, I, I feel different. I forgot everything that I was just seeing a minute ago. I feel different right now. And he gets scared. Am I a hypocrite? He's the, one of the greatest companions, but he's worried about himself. And this is what I think we need. Now, I want to pause here because everything has to be within, within its limit. If you have too much fear, you become hopeless and shaitan is happy. I'm going to say that again. My actions aren't accepted. Nothing I can do is good. Allah doesn't love me. If that overpowers you, you're hopeless. And when you feel hopeless, then what do you say next? Why should I do it? Who cares? There's no point. There's no point. La, you need enough fear to motivate you. You need enough fear to motivate you. And this is like, subhanAllah, sometimes we have friends that use like, like rough friendship to motivate us. But sometimes they go too far. Sometimes they push too hard. Stop looking around. <laughs> sometimes they push you too hard. And now you don't even feel like going to the masjid no more. Right? So, so the idea, the idea is you need fear that motivates you. The moment you feel demotivated and hopeless, that's the moment shaitan has pushed you too far. So, 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 alhamdulillah, I won't continue that hadith, but basically he, he, he starts walking around Medina and he's kind of confused. He went for a walk. He was playing with his kids and he's like, yo, I need to go for a walk. I need some fresh air. He's walking around and uh, he's just mumbling something under his tongue. And he's saying, nafaka hanzala. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a hypocrite. And uh, Abu Bakr just happens to walk past and hear him. And he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. What are you saying? And he explained the whole scenario. And Abu Bakr, he goes, well, I'm the same way. Meaning, feet on the ground, heart in the heavens. Meaning he goes home, he's playing with his kids too. Beautiful piety, brothers. Brothers, if we want masculinity, if we want examples of masculinity, that's it. That's the prophetic, the Sahaba example. He went home, laughed, played around. SubhanAllah. So Abu Bakr goes, me too. Radiallahu an. Me too. So they go to the Prophet wasallam, and we get the most profound narration. They explain the whole thing and the Prophet is listening. And he says, Ya Handala, if you stayed on that high elevated state all the time where you walk around seeing Jannah, seeing Jahannam, the Malaika would uh, shake your hand. <laughs> I was so close to saying it. Would shake, they would dap you up and okay, there you go. Happy now? Okay. The, the Malaika would shake your hand on the street, the angels. Meaning... We're humans. We're supposed to come up and down. Then he goes, Ya Hanzala, sa'atan, sa'atan. We go up, we go down. We go up, we go down. And that's the way we need to fluctuate too. So what are the three components of true hope? Number one is a deep love. How do we create that love? We talk about what it is that we want to love. We talk about what it is. And then whenever the thing that is a lower love, hear me out. Whenever a lower love is brought up, you remember the greater love. The thing that you're more scared or fear of losing or desire more. I'm going to say that one more time because it has saved me and helped me so much. There's a lower love. There's a lower love that you want, you love, you like. But now there's a greater one that is, it trumps it. It's over it. So what do I do? I think about the joy of attaining this higher one. Or I think about the pain of losing the higher one. And immediately I'm going to go for the higher one. Simple example, you watching a show. But it's time to go pray in Jamaat. Games on. Games on. Dallas. 
Dallas is doing great. But you know it's prayer time. You know they're getting it in, in the masjid. Allahu Akbar. You know it's 25 times the reward in the masjid. Can't never get back today's Isha. Can you pray? Can you, re can you, can you get back today's Isha? No. Once today's done, it's over. You can't ever redo today's Isha. You either got it or you didn't. Days come and they go. That's it. There's no makeup for a day. Which do you love more? Watching a trivial game. And I'm preaching to myself here. I'm preaching to everyone. Watching this trivial game that you can watch the highlights of later. Or that eternal reward with Allah. In that moment is where we see what you're really made of. What you truly love. In that moment. And that's all life is. Moments and moments of those choices. Your whole life is moments and moments of those choices. So you come on the day of judgment and people will say, if you sent me back, I'd do it different. Allah will say, no, you didn't. No, you won't. Here's the verse. They say, Ya Allah, send us back. We'll live different. Allah says, no, you won't. If we sent you back, you'd do it again. How does he know? Because every day he gave you a new life and you did it again. Every day he gave you a new life. You woke up tomorrow, you chose it again. You woke up tomorrow, you chose it again. You woke up tomorrow, you chose it again. If you would have lived for forever, you would have did it for forever. But death came, and that's why for eternity you're either there or there. So every day is a new choice. Every day is a new life. And every day you're proving who you are and what you love more than other things. Start now. Question yourself. What is it that I love? What lower loves are stopping me from my greater love? What lower fears? Do I fear people? Do I fear people? Over fear of God? Fear of losing a relationship with God? Analyze that, y'all. Analyze it. And put yourself where you need to be. The second thing that true hope embodies is fear of losing what it is you hope for. So hope is that I, I want that, I love that. But the second part of hope is I truly fear not getting that. And that fear right there is what pushes me to strive for it. That fear is what pushes me to strive for it. And number three quality is you strive and you struggle to get that thing. If any three, the strive, the struggle, the grind for it. If any one of these three things is missing, you don't truly hope for that thing. That's baseless hope. That's not real hope. Love of it, fear of losing it, and striving for it, that is the definition of hope. Imam Ghazali says that you need hope. Why? Because hope will motivate you to work. It will motivate you to righteous deeds. When you realize what is waiting for me, yeah, you know, subhanAllah, you've heard me say it 20 times, but one of my favorite narrations is the person in Jannah that looks up and sees this bright star in the sky. And, and, and he, says, he says to one of the angels, is that a prophet up there? And the, and the angels go, no, that's just one person, one level above you. And he says, oh, he must have did a lot of stuff to get that much higher above me. He goes, nah, he just said one subhanAllah. That's it, subhanAllah. <laughs> I got y'all now, subhanAllah. <laughs> subhanAllah. We grind it for the akhirah. It becomes a reality. It becomes a reality. It's not fake, it's real for us. And wallah, watching, watching what's happening in Gaza and Palestine, watching that reminds me every day that Jannah is a reality. Hellfire is real. And Jannah is real. It's real. I know it's real. And it's the only thing that will bring that comfort to the hearts of people that have lost everything. And it's the only thing that will bring comfort to our hearts as well. Those who seemingly have everything, but really have nothing. So he says, he says that true hope, true hope will motivate you. Uh, it will push you towards righteousness. He says, listen, good deeds are heavy. Righteousness is difficult. Shaitan is trying to stop you. The devil. 
your lower self is always against you. That fudger alarm goes off, lower self is like the bed is warm. He goes, and the majority of people don't help either because you see everybody else is sleeping. Why should I not just do what everyone else is doing? He says, and it looks like our destination is far away. This is a big one. We, shaitan makes us feel as if Jannah is far away. Whenever something is far away, human nature is procrastination. Human nature is procrastination. But whenever you realize something's close, we all had an exam due three hours from now. You become a genius, man. You're like, where'd this come from? Where did I get this brilliance from? Then you even say to yourself, man, see, if I had weeks, I'd be the best student in the class. So, you know, I'm just going to hold back. So, so when, when something seems far away, we keep pushing it off. And when something seems close, we start to get ready. And, and I, there's a, a verse in, two verses in Surah Ma'arij. Talking about the kuffar, like death in the day of judgment. They look at it and say, oh, that's long, that's far away. Allah says, وَنَرَاهُ قَرِيبًا But we see it as very close. The Prophet ﷺ, he said, he said, death is closer to you than your shoelace. SubhanAllah. Death is closer to you than your shoelace. Oh, does that make me demoralized? Let me not do anything. لا, abelaks. It motivates me to act now because I may not have tomorrow. So he says, the next thing is that you, you start to think of it as uh, far away. And that's why we want to talk about Jannah. The Sahaba used to meet each other and sit down and they would say, Ta'al, nu'min sa'atan. Let's sit down and believe for a moment. Ta'al, nu'min sa'atan. Nu'min, it's crazy, the Arabic is hard to translate. Nu'min means let's believe for a little bit. But what they mean is let's talk about like the real stuff for a little bit. This dunya is too... Too much trickery. So just sit down with me and let's talk about Akhirah. Let's talk about Akhirah. And it's find that one person, man. SubhanAllah. So he says, once you realize shaitan is pushing against you, your lower nafs is pushing against you, everyone in the world is working in the other direction, they're driving that direction, we're talking about going in that direction, it becomes difficult. So that's why he says you need hope. You need this deep hope that I can reach my destination and Allah wants me to and Allah will help me go there. And the hadith that I want to remind you of, Allah says, if you come walking to me, I come running to you. That's what you have to remember. So then he says, uh, he says, uh, there's all these things in the way. There's all these things stopping you. So you need one thing, which is hope that will make you strong and make you feel that you can reach and that make you feel that you can get there. Um, and the, 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 the next thing that he says is uh, the other reason, this is deep. He says, the second reason you have to have a deep, strong hope. Number one, what did we say? It's going to push you and motivate you to righteous deeds. Number two, and that's why I wanna stop here for a moment real quick. Sometimes we have friends that we're trying to help on the dean and they don't have any motivation, nine times out of 10, somebody took the hope out of their heart. Nine times out of 10, somebody told them they can never make it. You'll never be anything, Allah hates you, da, 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 all this evil, shaitan stuff. And you gotta remind them how special they are in the sight of Allah and how much Allah loves for them to return back to them. That's what you gotta do, that's what we did, that's what the prophet did to people. He gave them hope. He made the, the, the most lowest people on the planet feel that they could become the leaders of the world and they did. Help people rise to their greatest thing by believing in them. Help people rise to their greatest capacity by believing in them and telling them they can reach that. That's what he did. Thani, He goes, hope will help you carry when something is hard. Hope will help you. I can't forget those moments that I would be running with Haytham and feel like quitting. Mile eight. And, and it's hard. 
Your body wants to quit. But he just keeps giving me hope. You can make it. And sometimes you're only running on hope. Brothers and sisters, there's a whole nation of our Muslims only running on hope. Hope will give you the strength to survive difficulties. Whether it's a difficulty of running a race or difficulty of dealing with a, de dealing with a terrorist state bombing you. Hope is what gets you through difficulties. Never lose hope. That's what he's saying to us right now. He says, Whoever knows what they're seeking. Listen, this is gold. I'm going to read verbatim what he says because it's so beautiful. He says, He says, whoever knows what they're seeking, the price for it, spending is cheap. The, the price is light. Whoever someone sees something as good, they desire it with true desire. Then what do they do? They'll take on the burden. And they won't worry about the difficulty that comes with it. Whoever loves someone, true love, they love all of the difficulties that come through that love. They start to love it so much. This is the human nature. He says, They start to love the struggle so much they, they even start to enjoy it. He says, uh, have you ever seen the one who goes up to get honey? Not thinking about the stings of the bee by remembering the sweetness of the honey. Have you ever seen the worker tiring in the fields? Working hard, the farmer. Tool and nahar, working the whole day. Their work is made light by looking at the pay they'll get at the end. Have you ever seen, he says, Ya akhi, ya ukhti, al-ubad al-ladina hum ahlul ijtihad. The servants of us who will be the ones who grind for Jannah are the ones, idha dhakarul jannah fi tibi maqilihim. They're the ones who speak all the time and talk about Jannah. Talk about it. And they talk about the different delights of Jannah, the different things of Jannah. The palaces. Like, I can't wait to go to Haytham's spot, yo. In Jannah, in Jannah. I'm here too, here too, yo. But that's the real spot. Allahu Akbar. He says they talk about Jannah and the food and the sharab and the, the drip, the clothes. And they talk about everything that Allah has prepared for the people of Jannah. Once you talk about all of that, Hana alayhim, the price of it becomes cheap. Oh, tahajjud, that's it? I'll set my alarm. I'll text you too. I'll set my alarm. No problem. Why? And that's why I say if you want to get up for fajr, some of us struggle for fajr. All you got to do is go online and Google virtues of praying fajr. Read like five hadith and go straight to sleep. Read like five hadith on the virtues. What you get for fajr. The reward of it. Have that reward hothered in your head. Present in the head. When, you hit, when, that, when that alarm goes off, there's a different you. There's a different you desiring of that thing that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Maybe that doesn't work for you. So you know what you do? You remember everyone else who's getting ahead of you. You sleep and they in the masjid, first stuff. Same Amu, been there for like 15 years. <laughs> like, like some of us, we need that. Like I'm literally not waking up and Amu is in the masjid getting it in. Like I'm, I'm, I, for some of us, that's motivation. Like when my man Akram texts me, he's at the masjid, I'm like, yeah, I'm, man, I'm out. Ain't no way you beating me. So that it's a motivator. We strive, we struggle, but he, what he's telling us here, subhanAllah, so beautiful. What he's telling us here, he's saying, whoever remembers, reflects on, talks about what it is that they love and what they're going for. And remember, love creates the feeling that I want it, but I fear missing it too. That's what we want. It's beautiful. And in that case, now you'll have no difficulty with, with overcoming your lower self. 
So what does he say? Imam Ghazali, he says, uh, uh, say Muhammad. Sufyan Thawri. It's just a few uh, narrations of, um, of, of different scholars from way back. Sufyan Thawri, he was a great scholar of our ummah. He says, uh, His students once sat with him. And they saw he used to really like do a lot of ibadah. He used to do a lot of like physical worship. And he didn't really care about his like external state too much. And so his students, they said, Ya Ustadu, لَوْ نَقَسْتَ مِنْ هَذَا الْجُهْدِ أَيْذًا They said, Shaykh, these are some interesting students. They said, Shaykh, if you lowered your exertion a little bit, you'll still get to your, 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 what you're trying to get to, inshallah. Meaning, Shaykh, you could lower it a bit, you're still going to get there. Whatever. They, they, they meant good for him. فَقَالَ Sufyan, He says, كَيْفَ لَا أَجْتَهِدْ How can I not? He said, how can I not? That's where we need to be. Like, how can I not? Allahu Akbar. He says, how can I not? وَقَدَ بَلَغَنِي How can I not when I heard this before? I heard this. أَنَّ أَهْلَ الْجَنَّةِ يَكُونُونَ فِي مَنَازِلِهِمْ That the people of Jannah will be in their homes. The people of Jannah will be in their homes. فَيَتَجَلَّ لَهُمْ نُورٌ All of a sudden, from, from their windows or from outside the home, a light, they'll see this light, splendid light. يَتَجَلَّ لَهُمْ نُورٌ تُضِيءُ لَهُ It will light up everything inside of their قُصُو, their, their palaces. So they will think, فَيَظُنُّونَ أَنَّ ذَلِكَ نُورٌ They will think that they're, it's the light of God's face, it's the light of Allah. فَيَخِرُّونَ So when they see this light, they all fall down in prostration. And, a, and an angel will call out, يُنَادَوْنَ إِرْفَعُوا رَأُوسَكُمْ لَيْسَ الَّذِي تَذُنُّوا They'll hear a voice that will say, La, get up everyone. You're not seeing the light of God. Just one woman smiled at her husband. That's the brightness of her beauty smiling at her husband. He said, how can I not work for Jannah when I heard that? What I'm trying to get to you to see is it became the love of obtaining something and the fear of missing that which motivated the actions. And he says that the next hurdle that all of us have to cross is the hurdle of fear and the hurdle of, of, of hope. We have to fear losing what is the most precious gift that we have. The gift that when everything is lost, spouse, child, house, wealth, it stays with you. And the fear of losing that for a trivial sin, a trivial glance, a trivial whatever, a trivial whatever. Your fear and your hope will be the things that will push us through this next hurdle and keep us going. If you have too much hope, you'll just engage in all types of sins. I'm good. If you have too much fear, you feel hopeless and you won't move forward. Imam Ghazali, he uh, ends this section. Uh, he says, all of our ibadah is based on two things, doing what God wants us to do and refraining from what Allah doesn't want us to do. And he says, both of these things, your nafs will not do them except if you use this, these two methods. He says, a beast, a riding animal, a horse, a donkey. It needs someone to push it. And that will either happen by it uh, uh, pushing it from behind with a stick or something or it will happen by it putting some food in front of it. He says, look at your nafs the same way. Let your nafs see what, it, what it's getting. Let your nafs see that and let it strive and go after it. This nafs is your beast, treat it like that. This lower self is your beast, treat it like that. So he says, nafs. Your nafs is the same type of beast. It won't move forward except if you keep that stick behind it pushing it forward. Or if you keep that food in front of it, keeping it gr growing, going forward to it. He says, it's like a child. This was, a, this was an interesting one. We'll end with this. He says, He goes, it's like a stubborn kid uh, that doesn't want to go to the kutab. Kutab was like the, like the school. He doesn't want to go to school. So he says, the only way to do that is by promising it. Oh, you'll get candy after, you'll get this. 
or the other way. <laughs> so, you know, he says, uh, the nafs is like that child that needs to be pushed. That's your lower self. And so my, what I'm learning from this and what he's teaching us is hope and fear, love and fear of losing what you love most. And if you struggle right now that love of Allah isn't the greatest thing in my heart, that's okay. Spend some time alone. Get rid of all the distractions. The moment you remove those, you'll feel the pain of distance from God. And when you feel that pain, remember this talk and say, you know what? The pain I'm feeling is because I'm distant from God and the distractions have been moved. So now I know the solution. Turn to Allah. Fathirru ilallah. Turn to Allah. May Allah accept. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik. Nashhadu an la ilaha illa ant. Nastakhru wa atubu ilayk. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifun. Wa salamun ala al-mursaneen. Walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Allahumma, ya Allah, we ask you to relieve our brother, the suffering of our brothers and sisters in Philistine. Amen. We ask you, Ya Allah, to re remove from above them the violent oppressors that are, that are punishing them, Ya Allah. We ask you to remove them, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, we ask you to give them strength, Ya Allah. Amen. Ya Allah, we ask you to give the people of Gaza strength, Ya Arhamar Rahimin. Ya Allah, we ask you to give our Muslim Ummah strength, Ya Allah. Amen. Ya Allah, we ask you to give this Muslim Ummah strength, Ya Allah. Amen. Ya Allah, we ask you, Ya Allah, to place in our hearts a, a fear only for you, Ya Allah. We ask you to guide our leaders, Ya Arhamar Rahimin. We ask you to guide the leaders of our ummah, Ya Arhamar Rahimin. Ya Allah, we turn to you with our sins and we ask you to forgive us, Ya Allah. We ask you to forgive us, Ya Arhamar Rahimin. We ask you to forgive us, Ya Allah. Elevate our status, Ya Allah. And give honor to this ummah, Ya Allah. Give honor to this ummah, Ya Allah. Give honor to this ummah, Ya Arhamar Rahimin. Subhana Rabbika, Rabbil Izzati Amma Yasifun. Wassalamun ala al-Mursaneen. Walhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Jazakallah.